This morning, I am calling this message, Yahweh Yira. This is just a test. We've been looking at the names of God. The last one I ministered was Yahweh Shama, the Lord is there. And the whole point of looking at these names of God is to reveal who our Father is. Because we get our identity from our Father, knowing what he's truly like helps us understand who we really are. And it is vitally important that we know who our Father is in truth and reality. Not what the world says he is, not what our upbringing may have told us, not even what our own preconceived ideas say that he's like, and certainly not what religion says he's like. <laughs> it is so important for us to take the cover off of the pictures. In the Old Testament, what the Jews did with the names of God is they honored God's name by covering it up. Now that seems a little strange, doesn't it? <laughs> God told him his personal name was Yahweh. But they so wanted to honor and revere it, they covered it up with a title. They didn't want to take his name in vain. So they covered it up with a title. So they called him Lord. So when you read your Bible and you see the word Lord in all caps, it means Yahweh. It's God's personal name. And so a lot of translations have the older translation, I'll put it that way, Jehovah Jireh. Most of us have heard that, Jehovah Jireh. Scholars are saying now that probably the correct way to say God's personal name would be Yahweh. Isn't it interesting that all of these years later we still don't know the exact way to say God's name because people were so careful to never say it. So through the Old Testament, God keeps giving us pictures of himself by his different revelatory names. And today we're going to look at Yahweh Yira. Now this is found in the story of Abraham's call to sacrifice Isaac. God himself doesn't use this name. This isn't a name that God said, this is my name, this is who I am. This was a revelation. And that's really what we need to know about Yahweh Yira, the Lord who provides. We need to get the revelation that that's who he is and that's what he does. This morning we're going to look at this story, the story of Abraham, in the context of giving under grace. I ministered a message oh, probably 18 months ago on this section of the scripture, the sacrifice of Isaac. It was called Knowing God's Heart, the Sacrifice of Isaac. So a lot of the material you're going to hear is going, you're going to hear again if you've ever heard that message. But the Lord said, I want you to go through this story, but I want you to understand it in terms of the revelation of this name, Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Yira. It's about a test. The truth is, when most believers hear the words Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Yira, they think finances. And yet this passage of scripture does not deal with money or finances. But yet when we talk about provision, we say Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Yira, that's who he is. He is the God who provides. So God said, I want you to look at this this morning in terms of the giving under grace. I'm a third-year student at Karis Bible College in Beloit, and one of the new students asked the question, how do you tithe but not under the law? That didn't compute to her. Of course we tithe because of the law. And it's like, no, that's not why we tithe. <laughs> and it didn't make sense to her. How can you tithe and not be under the law? Well, it's easy. You tithe by faith. It's about faith. And what we're going to look at is the test of faith this morning in the story of Abraham. The name Yahweh Yira means this. Yahweh will see to it, or Yahweh will provide, or Yahweh will be seen. I like this because it's all three of those things. When we say Jehovah Jireh, we just think provision. We say Yahweh Yira. I'm trying to make myself say it the right way. <laughs> what is contained in that? Because it's just a name. It's a compound name. God's personal name and this word that we call provide. And it means to see or to see to it. That's why it says provide, to see to it 
or Yahweh will be seen. And the truth is, it's all three of those. The exact idea is that of seeing and being seen. That's what I want you to think about. It is God seeing to something and us seeing him do it. Okay, so it's about seeing who God is and recognizing when he shows up. For God to see is for God to provide. God doesn't see and not provide. If God sees, God provides, and that's what it means. In fact, our own word for provide, our English word, is Latin for to see. Provide is Latin to see or to see before. The word pro is before, and vide, it comes from video, to see. So we understand God sees everything, and God knows everything, especially God sees before we even have a need. God sees what we need before we need it. There's comfort in that. <laughs> there is comfort in knowing that when I have a need, God already saw it, and God's already provided a way for us to have that need met. God provides ahead of time of what we need. It's already there for us. That's what I want you to really see, that when God shows up, we recognize that he was there waiting for us all the time. It's like Sarah in her word this morning. God's not coming tomorrow to meet the need. God's not coming next week to meet the need. No, God has already showed up and met the need. We may walk into the provision tomorrow. We may walk into the, to the provision next week, but it was here today the whole time. That's who our Father is. Charles Spurgeon, a world-famous minister of the gospel, said this, Our Heavenly Father sees our need, and with divine foresight of love, prepares the supply. He sees to the need to supply it. That's the idea. He sees before. So if we really believe that, what you'll begin to see is that you walk into the provision that's already there. When I was preparing this message, the Lord reminded me of an instance where this happened 30 years ago that I still remember vividly. Because not only did I see that he had gone before me, other people saw it too and were bewildered. I had decided to go back to school and I had to go and register and sign up for financial aid and all that good stuff. So I went and there was a lady there and she says, okay, go to this place and do this and do this and do all of these things. Go here, go here, go here, go here. Okay. So I did. No kidding. Every single room I went to said, what are you doing here? How did you know we were here? Who told you? <laughs> we're not even supposed to be here today. But every classroom I went to, every appointment that this lady had set up for me, I'm pretty sure it was an angel. <laughs> they were all, all bewildered. How did you know to come? How did you know we would be here? How did you, well, I didn't know any of that. But God knew. God foresaw, set me up, <laughs> so I could walk into everything he had for me. And what I loved about it is the concept of when we see that he's done that, other people can see it too. He wants to be seen. He wants the revelation that he is Yahweh Yira to be visible, not just to us, but to everybody else. I'm reminded of uh, Judy's testimony from last week. They were at a ministry on Wednesday night, and someone came up and asked them, do you have everything you need for your vacation? Well, no. <laughs> you know what? They had faith. They were prepared to leave, even though they had, they had no money to go. Why? They're living on that word. They're living in that relationship. They know there is provision. God foresees, and God foreprovides. Someone said, well, here, let me give you $1,000 because that's how much you're going to need. <laughs> Not only did she get to see, my father foresaw my need. My father provided without me having to ask anybody for it. He foreknew, he foresaw. What they all saw was Yahweh Yura, the revelation. He is the provision. He has gone before. He does know my need. I am going to be okay. <laughs> That's what I really want you to see this morning, is the truth of who God really is. God likes to reveal his character and his nature, and part of that nature is provision. 
It is what he's really like. When we see who God really is, we also see who God is not. That's really important. How many of you have ever tithed under law? Yeah. I was taught, if you don't tithe, you're cursed. You're cursed with a curse. So just understand, God loves you, but he will spank you if you do not tithe. He will take away twice as much as you owe him. I believed it because that's what the old covenant says. No one bothered to tell me that we're not under that old covenant. <laughs> they just smush it all together and says it all works the same. No, it doesn't. It's a totally different covenant. He's the same provider. Is tithing a good idea? Absolutely. Can you tithe and not be blessed? Absolutely not. Why? Because he's, he's Yahweh Yira. And whatever we give unto him, he always, always brings it back to us. That's the whole point. He's not a mean tyrant who says, you owe me your money. You show me how much you honor and revere me. Give me your money. And if you don't, I'm going to spank you for it. That's not who he is. That's not who he is. One of the reasons I want you to know that is because a lot of people come under condemnation every time an offering is taken. They say, I don't have it, God. (laughs) If I had it, I'd give it. (laughs) People can come under condemnation because they're not tithing, and they've been taught that, uh, that they have to, that it is a bill that they owe God that continues to accrue until it's made up. Because that is the way it was in the Old Covenant. Put in terms of a weekly paycheck. If you didn't tithe this week's pay, next week you not only had to pay what you missed and your current owed, but now you owe for borrowing. So technically you owe three times. Do you see how the law makes sure you can never catch up? (laughs) In fact, if you added up all of the giving that is required under the law, I heard a minister say, a scholar say, it's about 33%. How many of us are tithing 33% of our income? If we want to go back to the law, the law is designed to show you you can't do it. (laughs) That's the point, that you need to look beyond yourself to the greater one, Yahweh Yira, he who is provision. So God is good. He's not mean, and he's not trying to take our money away from us. (laughs) I'm going to actually walk through this scripture with you this morning, the story of Abraham and Isaac. And I'm going to use the names of God translation, because I want you to see God's names. I want you to start thinking about taking the cover, the titles off of God's name when you read. Now, it's easy in the New Testament, but even then, they still hide the name, because they use the word God. They don't use the word Father. They don't use Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, except in certain places. And I understand why, because that's how the Apostle Paul and Peter talked to the people of their day. God said. God did. Now, that's fine if you and I both know what we're talking about. If I say God said, you all know I mean the one true and living God. However, to go outside this room and you say God, that can mean a whole bunch of different things to a whole bunch of different people. So I like the idea that Jesus is Lord, that we exalt the name above every name, that we pray in his name, because there is no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. Is it important that we use the name of Jesus instead of just the generic term God? It is. It's okay for family to talk that way, absolutely. But when we talk to to people outside of the church, should we say, look, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only name. Jesus is the one true and living God. Yes, because there is no salvation, there is no provision, there is no sanctuary outside of that one name. It's part of what God is instilling us in us, looking at his names. Later, Elohim, that's the plural name of God. They did not understand it. They called all gods Elohim, okay? The peoples of Abraham's time. But God called himself Elohim. God says, I am a God with 
three persons. They didn't know that. This is hindsight. Hindsight is twenty twenty. We can look back and go, there you are. That's who was speaking, the God who's represented in three persons. So it says, later Elohim tested Abraham and called to him, Abraham, yes, here I am, he answered. First thing, this is a test. This is a test designed specifically for Abraham. This is not our test. <laughs> okay? We can see the same kind of test available for us, but I want you to see is Abraham didn't know this was a test. <laughs> we know when we come into difficult circumstances, it's just a test. It's just a test, and we can get through it. This specific test was designed to reveal the revelation of who God is. There's a whole bunch in this scripture. I mean, oh my gosh, I had such a hard time taking, what do I leave out? What do I put in? But the whole point of this passage really is his name. That we get to the revelation that he is Yahweh Yira. And that Abraham came to that revelation too. That he is the one who sees before and he is the one who supplies before, even before we ask. This wasn't just any kind of a test. This was a giving test. God asked him to give his son. That's why God said to look at this through the lens of our giving. Because giving is always a test. Always. Every time the flight passes, it is a test. Do I trust God? Or do I trust myself? And that was really Abraham's test as well. Elohim, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. There are actually incidences of people having misunderstood this scripture, thinking that God would ask them to actually sacrifice their child, and people doing it. We say, how horrible. We would never do that. God would never ask you to do that. And that's part of this scripture so many times has been misinterpreted to say, you give God your best. You put those babies on the altar. You put that spouse on the altar. You, you give up what God's promised you. You give that stuff up, and then God will be pleased with you. Not true. This was a specific test for Abraham that we can learn from. <laughs> God's not asking us to put precious gifts that he's given to us on an altar of sacrifice. That would have been what a false god demanded. This did not surprise Abraham. When you read the narrative, there's no emotion, there's no argument. God's take your son and bring a burnt offering. He's like, okay. Just instant obedience. We would have a fit. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it, Lord. But you have to understand the times in which Abraham lived. Child sacrifice was rampant, common even. People, because they were actually bowing down to idols, which would be things they either made out of pottery or carved out of wood, but they would be embodied, if you will, by demonic entities who would demand them to, to do these things. That kind of thing is demonic. Okay? <laughs> so why would God ask Abraham to do this? Is God testing him to see if he will do evil? Nope. He's not. Because there was no law against it. There was no law against this. Now, God was adamantly opposed to it. And that's part of what he's going to show him. I am not like those other gods. I am not requiring you to give up your child to get my blessing. He's trying to reveal who he really is. That he is not like these false gods. That he is Yahweh Yira, the one who provides, not the one who takes away. This was a revelation for Abraham because all the other so-called gods were always demanding sacrifice. In verse 3 it says, Early the next morning Abraham saddled his donkey. He took with him two of the, his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut the wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
had told him about. Two days later, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his servants, You stay here with the donkey while the boy and I go over there. We'll worship. After that, we'll come back to you. Again, we see no argument with God. He has no problem with this because this was normal. This was normal worship. That's what giving is. That's why God doesn't want us to tithe under a law like it's a bill that we owe him. How many of you like your bills? <laughs> None of us like our bills. <laughs> okay, God doesn't want us having that kind of attitude toward him and toward giving. Giving is supposed to be worship. We understand worship is adoration and love and gratitude and thanksgiving. That's not how Abraham understood worship. Abraham understood worship as fear, as honor. And if the God of the universe says, I want your son, you say, okay. Because it wasn't uncommon in that day. It was a test of his loyalty, a test of his faith. Do you really believe I am who I say I am? That's why for us, often the offering plate is a test. Do I believe you are really the God who provides for me? Do I really believe that you've gone ahead and you've provided and you've made a way that I can't see? Do I really believe that? Am I willing to act on it? Or am I too afraid and I'm going to hold on to my worship? That's what we do when we get afraid. I can't give, God. I, I, I can't. And God does not require you to give the tithe. But God's going to ask you to worship. And we say, okay, Lord, what would you like me to give? Now, I'm a tither. God taught me tithing forever ago, and you cannot tithe and not be blessed. <laughs> I believe in tithing, but not as a law. Not as a, as a big stick that's going to bunk me upside the head if I don't do it right. I get to worship with my giving. We see here that Abraham was also declaring his faith. We are coming back. You see, he already had experience with this Yahweh person, this Elohim person. This Elohim Yahweh person was always saving his bacon. <laughs> always saving his bacon. Even when he was the one that got himself into the messes, Yahweh, the up-close and personal God, was always intervening on his behalf. Always. Never once did he fail to intervene. He had a covenant with Abraham. We have a covenant with the same God. Yahweh, Yira, the one who is provision. I looked up the word worship, and it, it says this in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. To adore to pay divine honor to, to reverence with supreme respect and veneration. Veneration is the highest degree of honor, respect, and awe. Abraham saw this test as a test of his loyalty, a test of his faith. And it was. That's exactly what God was doing. Whenever God gives us a test, he knows we're going to pass. He knows we have the ability to pass every single test. He doesn't do it so that he will know. He does it so we will know. So that when we look at the test and we step out on faith and we, in this case, we give because we believe that he will be seen. You can't give and not get blessed back. The blessing is him going, here I am, Yahweh, you're this is really me. I'm the one that is your provision. You are not your provision. When we withhold our worship, we withhold our giving, we're saying, I can take care of myself. Is that a good idea? <laughs> no. <laughs> I want my father's provision. It isn't conditional on my giving. My father takes care of me regardless. He does. But he says, if I want to prosper in this world, I have to step out in faith and do something. 
That's why he gives us opportunities to give, to activate our faith. That's what he was doing with Abraham. In verse 6 it says, And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and gave it to his son Isaac. Abraham carried the burning coals and the knife. The two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said, Father? Yes, son, Abraham answered. Isaac asked, We have the burning coals and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, Elohim will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, son. God will see to it. Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will provide a lamb. What I love about this, it is a story within the story. It is the story of salvation within the story of Abraham and Isaac. It is the prophetic being acted out thousands of years ahead of time. I believe God used this after the fact to reveal to him what he was a part of. That he was part of the Savior coming. He himself, out of his loins, had come a descendant who eventually would come the Christ. That he was part of this salvation. And he got to see how he himself was like God and that his son was like the Christ. So it's really hard when you read this story not to go back and forth into the truth of the picture he paints of salvation. But he says, God will provide a lamb for the burnt offering. The King James says, God will provide himself. God provides himself. And that's what he did in this sacrifice too that we're going to see. God himself provided himself. God provided God. Because only God could be a sufficient sacrifice. So we always want God to be our provision. And we see the faith. Again, Abraham's like, I know he's got this. <laughs> I know he's got this. I don't know how, but I know he's got this. It goes on. The two of them went on together. When they came to the place that Elohim had told him about, Abraham built the altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied up his son Isaac and laid him on top of the wood on the altar. Next, Abraham picked up the knife and took it in his hand to sacrifice his son. But the messenger of Yahweh called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. The messenger of Yahweh. In King James, it says the angel of the Lord. Now, when people read that, they think angels with wings. <laughs> the word angel, it just means messenger. And it goes on later, he tells us who this messenger is. It is God himself. It is Yahweh. So this messenger of Yahweh is usually Jesus. Whenever you read about the angel of the Lord showing up, it is usually the pre-incarnate Christ showing up in physical form. So he calls from heaven and stops him. And Abraham says, yes, and he answered, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear. See, there's that word, fear. Well, that's worship to him. I know you put me in the highest place. He's not that he's terrified. He says, now I know you worship me. You fear Elohim because you did not refuse to give me your son, your only son. Abraham acted on his faith. He worshiped by his giving. He never lost sight of the fact of God's character, the truth of who he, God had already revealed himself to be. In Hebrews eleven nineteen, it says this, He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham knew in his heart that God would give back whatever he gave. This was a test, but he knew he wasn't going to fail. Why? Because he knew God couldn't fail. This was a test of, do you believe the character of God? Do you believe in the goodness of God? Do you believe God is faithful? Do you believe that he really is provision? Do you really believe that? Or do you really believe you have to take care of yourself all by yourself? Abraham knew. He's always saving my bacon. <laughs> He's always taking care of me, even when I mess up. When Abraham looked around, he saw a ram behind him caught by its horns in a bush. So Abraham took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yura. It is still said today, on the mount of Yahweh, it will be provided. Moses wrote this. 
All of these years later, it, they're still saying, it is still said today, on the Mount of Yahweh, it will be provided. What is the it? What is the need? <laughs> what is the need? Okay, he has foreseen. He has gone before you to make sure that when you get to where you're going, it's there. <laughs> All provision comes from God. Every time we pass the test, we can say, Yahweh Shama, the Lord is there. Because that's what he wants us to see. Look, I am here. I'm real. I have provided. This is a reality. All you have to do is believe me and act on it. How do you know if you really believe? You act on it. See, that's the test. I can say I believe all day long, but if God says, here comes the offering plate, I want you to give $10 today, and we're going, but I have this and this, and what am I saying? I have to provide for myself, God. <laughs> Don't you know I have to provide for myself? I need that $10. <laughs> God says, you can keep your $10 and provide for yourself, or you can believe me. <laughs> and you can step into my resources. You can step into what I've provided. But if you want what you can provide, okay. He's not going to be mad at you. He's not going to spank you. He's not going to take away stuff from you. You're just not going to apprehend what he's got for you. Because he lets us have what we want. Think about that. He lets us have what we want. If it's in his covenant, he says you can have it. Or you can provide for yourself. Go ahead. <laughs> He's going to love you all the way through it. <laughs> in this story, every need was met. Because in this story, what we really see is the salvation of all mankind. Isaac was the type of Christ. Abraham was the type of God the Father. <laughs> and when Abraham came to bring the son as the sacrifice, he was acting out what would happen thousands of years later. God the Father would give his one and only son. The difference is, in this story, Isaac cannot be the sacrifice because Isaac is not God. Isaac's blood would not atone for anything. Isaac's blood would not make his relationship with, with God better or closer or any of those things. What I see in this is so often we try to do things to get God. <laughs> I bring God something, whether it's my time or my money or, or my ministry, or I'm giving God things in hopes that I will receive. It's backwards. God says, I so love the world that I gave. And it is out of this sacrifice, it is out of this, out of this perfect sacrifice that all provision has been made for all men, for all time, for every need. The most important one being salvation. Relationship, covenant relationship with God. God brought the answer to get out from underneath the curse. That's what the whole Old Testament is about. God's saying, if you're in covenant me, you don't have to be under the curse. We have a far better covenant. We live in the blessing because we live in Christ. God here wanted Abraham to see that he was not like those other false gods, always trying to get something from you. Yahweh Yerva is always trying to get stuff to you. Always. Whatever you need, he wants you to have it. This is a work of our Father. It is a work of his heart. It is a work of his hand, obviously, to give us in Christ everything that we will ever need, to deliver us from the curse of the law by giving us his very own righteousness. In verse 15, it goes on and it says this, Then the messenger of Yahweh, that would be Jesus, called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I am taking an oath on my own name, declares Yahweh, the up close and personal God, that because you have done this and have not refused to give me your son, your only son, I will certainly, certainly, absolutely, without a doubt, I will certainly bless you and make your descendants as numerous 
as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the seashore. Your descendants will, will take possession of their enemies' gates. Through your descendant, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. First of all, I am taking an oath in my own name. This is actually only one word. It's a whole sentence in English, but in Hebrew, it's only one word. It's the word seven. The Lord says to Abraham, seven, and he knows exactly what that means. <laughs> That's why they translated it a little different for us. <laughs> the word seven was a way of saying, I swear seven times. I swear a perfect oath. I'm declaring this truth to you, not just once, not just twice, not just three. I want you to know that I promise and promise and promise and promise seven times that this is what will happen to you because you acted out your faith. I will certainly bless. You know what bless means? Prosper. Prosper. Increase. Increase. You see, we're always walking in the blessing, but we're not always walking in increase. Why? Because sometimes we want to take care of ourselves. <laughs> I will certainly bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Your descendants will take possession of their enemies' gates. Of course, he is not talking about what Isaac is going to do. He's talking about what Christ has done. What enemy has come against you? God has already given you the victory in your hand in Christ Jesus. What is knocking on your door saying, I'm bigger than you, you need to be afraid of me? He says, your enemy gates belong to you. Whatever your enemy says belongs to him, take it away from him. It doesn't belong to him. It belongs to you. And he says, all of this because you have obeyed me. Abraham passed the giving test. The giving test was a test of faith. When he did it, that's when he said, Yahweh, here, I see you. When God provided that ram in the thicket, he goes, look, Yahweh Shama, there he is, and he's provision. There he is, and he's provision. We can trust him to provide, that we have to see it with our little eyeballs in the inside of us. He has already provided. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Not by our own abilities. Not even by our own giving. <laughs> our giving can't provide what God has purchased. Our giving just helps us apprehend because when we give, we are acting out our faith. We're putting feet to what we believe. And when we put feet to what we believe, things happen. Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? All things. In Christ comes provision. You can't outgive God. Ever. But he wants us to have the revelation I can know God loves me and wants to provide for me, but until it becomes a revelation that I can act on, that I can walk out every day of my life, I'm not going to walk in the blessing that he has for me. Actually, my whole Christian life, God has been giving me giving tests. My whole life, he said, I want you to tithe. And I was a new believer. I was like, sure, I don't have any money, but I'd be happy to. <laughs> But he showed me, it wasn't like I was taught. It was, I'm not giving this to get something. I'm giving this to someone. I'm giving to my Lord. I'm giving my worship. I'm giving my faith. I'm acting out of my relationship. Giving is always about relationship, not obligation. One of the first tests that he gave me was, I needed a winter coat. I was pregnant with child number two and had nothing that would go around. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Lord, if I give, I won't have a coat for the winter. And I said, okay. 
you can keep your $10, see if that will buy you a coat. <laughs> or you can give it to me and see if I will provide you a coat. Okay, so I did. Within one week, my mother-in-law bought me a beautiful wool coat. Guess how much she paid for it? $10. <laughs> I wouldn't have found it, but she did. See, that was God saying, yeah, I can take your $10, and I can do so much more with it than you can. It was a giving test. Do you trust me to take care of you? And then there came a point in my life, it was a big giving test. I had no money. No money of my own at the time. And I wanted to tithe. I found out pretty quickly, you can't beat this God providing for you thing. <laughs> it works pretty good. <laughs> oh no, now I can't give. What do I do? I'm going to be under the curse. So I called a family member who was also a believer. What do I do? I, I can't. It, it, what do I do? I'm going to be cursed. And this person said, you know what? I've been wanting to hire someone to clean my house. If you will clean my house, I will pay you. And you can pay your tithe out of that. So that's what I did. What ended up happening was I took a, this cleaning job, and the money never came to me. The money went right into the church I was a member of. I got a job to pay my tithe. Now you might think that's a little bit crazy. <laughs> uh-uh, that's very smart. <laughs> that's very smart. Because my giving, God can do a lot more with it than I could. The little bit that, it was probably a total of $80 a month. $80 won't take you very far. But give $80 to God and see what he can do with it. He'll multiply it. And it wasn't long before I not only had that one little cleaning job, I had three or four of them. I was like, who knew God had such a great plan? <laughs> I could still take care of my children. I could still do the things he told me to do. He had a plan. If you're willing to do whatever it takes to worship the God we say we believe in. And that's what it was for me. God, I want, I want to worship you with my giving. I, this wasn't an obligation. It wasn't a bill. Yes, I had a wrong understanding, but I knew the benefit was undeniable. I knew the benefit was undeniable. My whole life, God has been giving me giving tests. I saw a minister on television, Gary Cassie is his name. He's basically a faith preacher who has a, a grace foundation. He preaches on tithing, but he preaches it as a law, that you owe God your tithe. Jesus is our tithe. Okay? Jesus fulfilled all the law for us. So when I stand before God, God doesn't say, oh, you owe a tithe. He says, you're fully paid up. Everything we give now is honor, it's worship, and it's seed. Okay? But I was listening to this, this man, and the Lord was ministering to me about it. Because he did something very unusual. He decided he was going to sow for stuff. That God had revealed to him that he could sow for stuff. What he did was, he says, okay, I'm going to pray and believe I receive. I'm going to believe that God is who he says he is. That he is Yahweh Yira, that he does provide. He has already provided. He has gone before me and already provided for me. I just have to walk into it by faith. So he said, okay, Lord, I want a deer. He was a hunter. I want a deer. God, what should I sow for my deer? So God told him whatever, an amount. And he, he made out his check. He put on there, this is for my deer. I believe I receive. And this is my worship. This is my seed. When he went deer hunting, it took him like 15 minutes to get a deer. And he said, oh, that's nice. Coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that a nice coincidence? Except the next year, he did the same thing. And in 15 minutes, he got a deer. Well, that's a nice coincidence. I mean, it happened twice. That's pretty, that's, that is nice. The third year came along, does the same thing. Then 15 minutes, he gets a deer. You know how many years he did this? 15. <laughs> Do you think maybe God was providing? I love the one story, though. He went out one year, and his deer didn't show up right away. He's like, 
what's up, God? What's, where's my deer? And so God had talked to him about not giving a seed like it's a bill. You give seed like it's worship. You give seed like it's faith. You give seed like, that it's honor. You, you recognize what it is you're doing. You're not paying God for blessings. It's not a bill. <laughs> and so he repented. I pray over this. Lord, I thank you. This is my worship. This is me giving myself to you. This is my worship. So he went out the next day to go deer hunting. And he got there early. It was still dark outside. I did not know this. I know nothing about hunting. You're not allowed to shoot deer in the dark. <laughs> so he's in his tree. And there's a deer. And the deer is circling the tree. And circling the tree. And circling the tree. And circling the tree. And he's like, what on earth? <laughs> is that deer doing? And God's like, well, it's your deer. It can't go anywhere. But you can't shoot it until it gets light. God had already provided. God sent the deer. <laughs> and the deer wasn't going anywhere until he went and picked up his harvest. He believed he received when he prayed. And then he acted on it with worship. He acted on it with giving. It's things like that and things in my own life where I have seen God never fail me, not once. Not once has my father ever failed to provide. I had to do some juggling from time to time. <laughs> God, how do I juggle this? <laughs> but I never withheld my worship. I never withheld my giving because I understood early on it's about so much more. It's about the revelation of who he is. It's about knowing without a shadow of a doubt, I can rest in his provision for me. It's who he is. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says this, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and in knowledge and in all diligence, and in all and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Giving is a grace. It's an opportunity to see God. Whatever he's asking you to do, whether it's in your giving at church or your giving in the ministry or not just financially, sometimes God will ask you to do hard things. <laughs> hard things. Physically hard. Emotionally hard. Not just financially hard. He'll ask you to do hard things. Why? Because he knows with him you can do it. He is provision. Every kind of provision. Financial, emotional, physical, mental. There's no area that he is not Yahweh Yira, The God who provides. The God who has foreseen. The God has, who has foresupplied through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are the blessed and we live in the blessing. Amen. Father God, I thank you for your word and the truth of who you are. Thank you for taking the covers off of the titles and letting us see you for who you are, to see you for the fact that you are good, that you are not some tyrant demanding that we pay bills to you, that you are a loving Father who is only seeking to get us to operate in faith and to trust you and to see you and see the revelation of how good you are, how faithful you are, how you've never failed to take care of us. Never that you have fully supplied every need we will ever have through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Father, I thank you that in Christ we have everything we need. I thank you for the truth that in you everything is mine. Help us, Father. Remind us, Father, that we get the opportunity. It's opportunity to give. It's opportunity to see you show up and show off and say, look, I am Jehovah Jireh, child. I am your father and I am a good, good father and you can believe me and you can trust me. You have everything you need in me. Father, I ask that you would continue to reveal the truth of who you are in our own lives. Help us to step out and trust you. Help us to step out and recognize that you're there. And I thank you in Jesus' name. <laughs> One of the things 
I was talking to my daughter about is that, you know, when you tell people they don't have to give, guess what? They don't. <laughs> Lots of times when you tell people on the message of grace, God doesn't have a tally that he's keeping track that you owe him. You don't have to give. You don't have to. But when you tell people that, sometimes they don't. Because <laughs> they haven't understood the revelation that giving is worship. It's part of what he asks us to do. And so we were talking about this. And she had been struggling with tithing. She had been raised with the concept of tithing. You get a dollar for your allowance, we tithe. We teach them that God is faithful. And so they had had some, some things happen, and so they hadn't given their complete tithe. Well, what happens when you're a tither and you don't give your complete tithe? You get under condemnation. <laughs> no condemnation. It's not a bill. You don't owe God. It's an opportunity to partner with God. And so we had talked about this. And so last Sunday, she stepped out on faith. Here comes the giving test, God. <laughs> and she gave her full tithe. Come Monday morning, she went to take her, her van to get an oil change. And they pulled out the plug, and they couldn't get it back in. She had stripped everything out. And a $20 oil change turned into a $200 bill. Her first response was, Hello! <laughs> Gave my tithe yesterday, Lord! <laughs> and God said, trust me. Trust me. 90% with God goes a whole lot farther than 100% on your own. Just to remind her just how good he is. She had picked up her children from school, and they were a little hypoglycemic, you know, hungry and hangry and... <laughs> Run through McDonald's, get him a little snack before we go home. She gets up to the, the window to pay her bill, and the lady says, the lady in front of you just paid $5 of your bill. It only cost you $2. And God said, see? <laughs> just a little thing that says, I have foreseen, and I have foreprovided. I'm, you're going to drive up <laughs> and pick up the blessing, because it's waiting for you. You may not see it right here, but God says, step out in faith. Step out in faith, and you can't help but run right into your blessing. You can't help but run right into your provision from God. You can't help it because that's who he is. He is provision, and he won't let us down. Amen? Amen.